Hey everyone, welcome to the Being Giant Show. I'm one of your hosts, Rochelle Verna, and this is a podcast for academics by academics. This week, I'm talking to Kailani Acosta, who is a third year PhD candidate at Columbia University. In this episode, we touch upon her research experiences while in undergrad, the time she spent working prior to attending graduate school, and her experience of being a person of color in the geosciences field. As always, we hope that you guys enjoy the episode. Well, Kailani, thank you so much for, you know, agreeing to be on this podcast. I'm really excited to talk to you. Um, yeah, no. So how's it going? I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be talking to you and talking about science and everything. Um, yeah, it's been going pretty well, trying to stay motivated uh, and stay focused, which has been quite hard recently, but mm-hmm. hanging in there. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, well, you were mentioning to me that uh, your semester is coming to an end soon, so I'm pretty sure you're pretty excited about that. Yes. Oh, I can't wait <laughs> for it to be over. I feel like I need to sleep for a week. I feel that. I feel that really hard. Um, how has it been doing research uh, with like things being online and stuff? Like, What's been that like? Yeah, it's been really difficult, and um, I've had to adjust a lot, um, adjust in a lot of different ways from getting used to being attached to my computer 24-7, as well as, you know, shifting my research because I can't really be in the lab uh, very often, so I've shifted my focus to kind of do more more historical work and taught myself how to do a lot of coding so I can do more research from home. So it's been an interesting shift and a, an uphill battle, but it's been, it's been really fun and rewarding as well. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. So I was, I was getting ready to ask whether or not if you were, you know, bummed that you had to maybe switch your research focus a little bit, but it seems like you found something, you know, interesting there. Yeah, definitely. I was a little bummed at first because I was like, what am I going to do? Um, because, some of the stuff I had planned to do in the lab was a little bit undefined. So uh, especially now you have to go into the lab, you know, with a real plan and say, I'm going to be here for two hours for like two days a week. And, you know, you have to have kind of a finish line. I didn't really have that. um, And I wasn't expecting to not be able to have that kind of time to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So um, it was just easier for me to just figure out something else, figure out how to do it. Um, using data that we already have. So it's been really cool in that way. Okay. Well, you know, these times everyone have to be somewhat flexible, right? Like you got to be open to to pivoting. So good thing that you figured out how to do so uh, (laughs) with your research. Um, Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about what you're doing now? Yeah. So I'm currently a third year PhD candidate at Columbia University, Lamont Doherty Earth Observatory. Um, and I study biological oceanography. Currently, I'm studying the Gulf of Mexico and seeing how nutrients change over time and space. Um, And specifically, I'm looking at nitrogen and phosphorus. And the historical data that I was talking about uh, a few minutes ago is basically uh, just trying to understand how nutrients change over the last 20 to 40 years in the Gulf of Mexico because a lot has been changing there and a lot of crazy things have happened. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, okay. That's pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. So like, 
when you decided to go ahead and embark on your PhD, was this what you had in mind? Was this what you wanted to do? Yeah, um, some version of this was definitely what I wanted to do. I looked at basically all of the work I've done in the past and kind of put together my narrative of what I like and what I want to do and what I want to study. Um, and all of those pieces that I put together when I looked back at everything that I've done had to do with nutrients in some way. And for a lot of people, it's not that clear um, and it's not that specific. But for me, it was pretty easy um, to say, you know, like I really think that looking at nutrients and what drives ecosystems to work the way they do and change the way they do is super interesting, um, especially with fundamental things like nitrogen and phosphorus. So um, I've known for a while that I wanted to do something in the nexus of, of that field, um, but not exactly what. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Well, like I know that like during your undergrad years and right up to when you uh, started grad school, you were doing a lot of things. So why don't you go ahead and tell me how like your interest in STEM even developed in the first place? Yeah, um, so I went to Brown for undergrad. Um, it was a really great experience, and I knew that I was broadly interested in doing something in environmental sciences, and Brown is great because they have an open curriculum, so you have a lot of space and room to figure it out, um, and I've, took, I've taken a lot of classes in a lot of different fields, um, so after kind of feeling everything out, um, I decided that I wanted to do environmental science. Um, and I started out doing some like climate policy work and conservation work, um, and then moved into um, like terrestrial biogeochemical research. And um, that's where I really found myself to, to be super passionate about the work that I was doing. Um, and when I was in those spaces, I realized that um, even in classes that had a lot of women, um, there weren't a lot of women of color, there wasn't a lot of representation, there were no faculty of color that I could look up to and say like, oh, I wanna be just like them. Um, in fact, in my now 19 years of schooling, I've never had a professor of color in STEM which is really shocking to think about. Um, I was just thinking about it the other day, um, just going through all the professors that I've had and teachers that I've had. And I came across that fact. I was like, oh my gosh, this is really insane that if I become a professor, I could be like the first professor of color in STEM that some people have. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Well, in, in sitting here, and hearing you say that, I think that fact is uh is same for me. Like I think it applies to me as well. Cause I'm just let me think. Yeah, no, no, no one at USC. No people of color. No, no, no. Wow. <laughs> it's okay. Shocking. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. No. 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 I. Uh, no. I. I feel you 100. percent Um. I think I, I've also had the same experience where like you know I do have like you know females in my class who you know who are doing the same things as me, but like never really seeing that person of color who is like, you know, studying the geosciences and stuff. The way I've found mm -hmm. like individuals who are in the STEMs, um, like, yeah, the STEM fields and stuff is by like taking part in like 
school organizations such as like NSBE, National Society of mm-hmm. Black Engineers, or like just anything that's geared towards like black students and stuff. And it's like through that medium that, you know, all these individuals can kind of come together and be like, oh, okay. Oh, cool. You're, you're doing math. All right. That's, that's pretty dope. Or you're doing physics. That's pretty cool too. But like to find that, you know, person of color, um, you know, in the geosciences, that other person of color in the geosciences, it, it is, it is tough. You know, it's, yeah, it's tough. I think like, and I've mentioned this on the show, like past episodes with uh, other people. Um, I think one of the biggest reasons is because the geosciences is kind of like a discovery science. So not a lot of mm-hmm. people like go into undergrad saying that like, oh, you know, I want to, I want to study this. I want to take this up as a major. It's usually discovered through um, like a, a general ed class or something to that effect. Right. And um, there are a whole bunch of other reasons too, but I think that's like one of the, one of the things. Yeah, definitely. And I think that since a lot less is known about the geosciences, like through what you learn in high school and, and like what is known about jobs, um, that's not something that your parents are usually going into and saying like, you know, you should really study this because you know that you're going to get a job after graduation. It's usually a thing where, you know, you figure out that this is what you like and then you're like, oh, I have to go to grad school and I have to do X, X and X in order to get a job. Mm-hmm. which is just tougher if you um, if you need to make money right away or if you need to, like, get started on something. Yeah, you know? no, no. It's very difficult to pursue passion, but then at the same time try to make a living because making the yeah. living, it's like it's it's like uh, it's always a constant thing where you have to make sure you have like a roof over your head and that you have, you know, food and that you can get all the, the things that you need in order to survive. But then at the same time, you have to like put in such a huge amount of energy into you know passion and stuff and if and it's difficult to to keep up both you know there's a reason why like a lot of people will start off on this path but then they just ultimately end up doing something different um on the way and there's nothing wrong with that to be honest with you that was just that was just their path Mm -hmm. Uh, um so you mentioned that during uh undergrad uh you ended up doing some research so how did you go about, uh, you know, seeking out these research opportunities, considering that it seems like your undergrad institution, you guys were able to do a lot of things, there were a lot of flexibility. So did they make it easy for you to get involved in research? Yeah, um, I'm sure there are a lot of like institutional structures that, that exist as well. Um, but I kind of went about it non-traditionally. Um, I just went up to one of my professors, um, I was in this class called like changing environments. It was just like an introductory environmental science class when I was a freshman. And um, there was a lab component and we were looking at like different soil samples and looking at nutrients and stuff like that. Um, So I just went up to my professor after class one day and I was like, I really like doing this lab work. If you have any positions in your lab open, I would love to work with you um, and just let me know. And right on the spot, he was just, he just replied and he was like, sure. When do you want to start? (laughs) So it was really easy for me um, to just get started. And he was like, all right, well, I'll see you tomorrow and um, let me know what hours work for you and you can just work whenever you want. Um, And the nice thing about working in a lab like that and when you have to just you know, get through a stockpile of samples is that you can just 
kind of choose whatever schedule you want. I can work in between classes or after classes um, and just get through as many samples as I could. So it was it was really fun to be able to get into research that quickly and easily and feel like I had like a hand in knowing what was happening and knowing how research began. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I would say that my undergrad institution is kind of like that too in the sense that like there's I think there's maybe one required upper division course and then everything else you can kind of just tailor it to whatever it is that you're interested in but Mm -hmm. it it is true like I think it's very surprising like it'll surprise most people how easy it actually is to get a professor to let them do well to let well to allow you to do research with them Um, because like I mean for the most part I think you know you know professors do want to like help and like mentor you know students and stuff so especially if you go ahead and you tell them hey I'm really interested in your work I think it's pretty cool it's like oh you think you think I'm cool you think the stuff that I'm doing is cool oh professors are people too yeah they're people too (laughs) crazy (laughs) but no but that's but that's cool though so I'm assuming like so so this happened in your you got involved with this lab during your freshman year early on in college yeah Okay. Yeah, so. it was like October freshman year, so very early. Okay. And did you uh, stay working uh, in this professor's lab throughout your undergrad experience? Not throughout. Um, so since it was like a project-based job, um, I was hired for two different projects. The mm-hmm. first one was looking at leaves from, um, I think it was Mexico, and the second one was looking at soil samples from Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Um, so after those two projects, samples were all finished. Um, then I moved on to other labs. Um, but it was a really great place to get my start. Mm, okay, okay. Um, I know that like throughout your undergrad experience, you've also like you did some traveling as well to do research as well. So can you tell me a little bit about those opportunities, like? Yeah, yeah. I was super fortunate to get to travel a lot to do research and to um, figure out what I want to do and uh, have these different kinds of experiences. So um, so I did some work uh, with the Marine Biological Lab. Uh, I was in RU there for a summer, and um, it was amazing. I worked on a marsh in um, northern Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And that was a really great opportunity to learn lab and field skills. Um, And from there, I then went to study abroad in Madagascar uh, for the fall of my junior year. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to go there because I wanted to speak French and um, do some sort of science research in an amazing place. So all of those things kind of came together and I'd always wanted to go to Madagascar because of the endemic biodiversity, the lemurs, the corals, everything about it. I was just kind of obsessed. Um, <laughs> and when I got to go there, I did research with the um, the National Marine Research uh, Organization there um, in northwestern Madagascar. Mm-hmm. And uh, my project was on coral reef health. Um, in different marine protected areas. Mm-hmm. So you spent like the entire fall semester there? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was great. Um, and then I made some connections there um, 
just some of the researchers I worked with were incredible and so welcoming and so excited to be doing um, this kind of work. So um, after I graduated, I actually went back and helped them uh, with this education project. Uh, one of my mentors, Giselle, um, she was a researcher there and she really wanted to implement some kind of uh, marine education program because they didn't have funding for it and they didn't have um, the time to really put into doing that because they had to do their other research. Um, so I came and helped them with that part and we got it off the ground. And um, I think it's still going to this day. Um, but basically I helped them just start it off and I don't speak Malagasy, but um, I helped them create the basis for the curriculum and then they translated it into Malagasy and um, started teaching in remote uh, fishing villages about climate change and different fish species and, and things that like these uh, communities would care about. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, traveling to Madagascar, you know, as an undergrad, that's something that you don't hear every day. So that's that's kind of yeah. major, or at least for me anyways. I think that's that's kind of crazy. That's kind of sick. Um, were you encouraged to do traveling to like, you know, to go do research by your mentors during undergrad? Like, okay, hey, you know what? There's more to like, you know, being here, right? Like, you know, go elsewhere, go try to make other connections and stuff. Or was that something that you seeked out to do on your own from the get go? Yeah, it was, it was something that I was always interested in. Um, I've always been super interested in traveling. And I think it was something that I put together because I didn't exactly know what I wanted. I, I knew what I liked to do. But I was like, you know, this world is so big, I should at least see what else I can do. Mm -hmm. um, try to get as much experience as I can. Um, and from my, you know, little experience in, in doing that, every time I, I tried to like, you know, gain experience doing one thing, I would get some kind of connection to something else. So um, just putting myself out there just made things happen. And um, after being in Madagascar, um, I decided I wanted to do more like climate policy work um, because I was really interested in it. And um, for our class, we went to the um, Paris Climate Agreement. Um, so oh, wow. I was in Paris. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, I was doing work on some of the least developed countries, one of which is Madagascar. So I got to um, do some research interviewing um, how the least developed countries are being represented um, in these international agreements and talk to like some of the representatives from Madagascar, which was amazing, um, as well as some of the other least developed countries. So I made some really great connections there. Um, and that experience was pretty wild. Yeah, I'm starting to think I did undergrad wrong here. Okay, I feel like I, <laughs> what? <laughs> no, that, that's, that's pretty crazy. Um, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Um, well, I know that, you know, so like you, you went ahead throughout your undergrad experience, um, you know, doing all of this like research and stuff at any point, like, did you feel overwhelmed with like doing both the, the coursework, but then also like maintaining your research load as well? Or were you able to balance that out? Yeah. Oh God. I'm, <laughs> I am really working on balance because 
I tend to get really excited about things and will just push forward and make as much progress as I can on whatever I'm really passionate about in the moment. Mm-hmm. So um, balance is, is always something that I've struggled with, um, especially when I'm, you know, taking coursework and doing research and doing like DEI work. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely not something that I've mastered yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to realize that I have to work on balance once I start feeling burnt out. So it's, it's a work in progress for sure, but I've been attempting to, um, to make sure that I can juggle everything. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a good thing that, you know, that is a problem, right? That's like, that's the first step. Um, yes, exactly. It's, uh, I feel especially, I mean, the, the longer you stay in academia, I think like the more and more the need to like solve the balance thing, right. The greater it mm-hmm. becomes because, you know, you'll, you'll start to feel a little burnt out if you, if you don't, because it's like, I don't know, in undergrad, it's it's weird right where you feel like you can take like five shotgun classes and like yeah. you're you're good you're feeling good you'll you'll go through like the emotional roller coasters of the of the semesters with like your midterms and your finals and stuff and then once a break comes along all right cool you just like you sleep it off for like two weeks and then you're ready to do it again <laughs> but for some reason as soon as you step into grad school it's like wait a minute i can't even do one class <laughs> without yeah, like feeling it's like there's no off shit switch <laughs> yeah that's that's insane. Um, well, while you were doing like these research opportunities, were you also presenting at conferences as well? Like, did you attend conferences? Um, I attended, I think, one or two. Um, so I didn't really have uh, the time to go to a lot of conferences. I wanted to go to more, um, but I think I only went to one or two, which was really great, and I learned a lot. Um, but that was something that I feel like I definitely wanted to do, but mm-hmm. didn't really have a chance to. Mm, okay. Okay. But okay. I feel like I still got a lot out of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, now I know that after you graduated from undergrad, you didn't go straight into your PhD. So can you tell me a little bit of reason like, you know, what was the reason for not doing that? Like, did you want to take time off? Yeah, definitely. Um, so since I'd been doing so many different things in undergrad, I knew basically what I really liked and what I didn't really like. Um, and a lot of that had to do with research. A lot of that was different kinds of research, different fields. Um, and I knew that I really liked biogeochemical research, and I also knew I really liked science policy and climate policy research. Um, but something that I didn't really know anything about was, you know, how does environment and and um, sustainability intersect with like the business world? Mm-hmm. Um, I, my dad had been telling me for so long that I should take an economics class and should take a a computer science class and um, because he was a computer science major and I was like yeah 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 and I never <laughs> did um, but I did listen to him um, because he was like well I know that you like the environment I know you like doing research why don't you try um, environmental consulting or something like business just to test it out see how you like it mm-hmm. so I did um, I got a job uh, at a 
environmental consulting firm um, in Brooklyn. And it was really cool. I really liked doing the work. And um, we worked in some pretty cool areas throughout New York City and Brooklyn and Queens. And I'm from Long Island. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was nice to be able to be close to home while I'm still figuring everything out. Um, But yeah, it was it was a really good experience. Um, But I realized through that experience that the parts that I like most about you know, studying environmental things um, is doing the research. So with consulting, a lot of the work that we were doing was figuring out like levels of environmental contamination and um, figuring out what the next steps would be to remediate these sites. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a lot of what the junior people do uh, when you're when you're the young ones. They send you out to take the samples, do the research, um, you know, do lithology uh, of different um, locations to figure out, like, the extent of environmental damage, um, which was all really, really cool. I loved all of that. Um, And writing up reports and stuff. Um, But when I was thinking about my trajectory uh, within consulting, you do less and less of that over time. Mm -hmm. You do more of like um, dealing with the clients and figuring out, um, you know, other locations, um, other clients that you could possibly help. Um, All of it is really awesome and great work. Um, But I was like, I kind of just want to do research all the time. Right, (laughs) right. The research part is what I really like. Um, so I decided that I should prioritize that and, um, go back to school. Um, and before doing that, I was like, well, I kind of want to work in a lab now to figure out, you know, if research is really what I want to do because I've like done a lot of field research, been out there, you know, all over the world, figuring stuff out, Mm -hmm. but I've never really been, um, you know, in the lab, like doing the chemistry um, as much. I mean, I did it a little bit when I was a freshman, but I was like, I don't know what I was thinking when I was 18. I I can't trust that. Uh, So I decided to uh, go work in a lab at the University of Miami. And um, at the same time, I also worked at an anti-poverty nonprofit um, teaching a course called CLEAR. Um, which is basically teaching um, anyone that wants to come about leadership and uh, climate change, climate justice, environmental racism. Um, And it was a really, really great opportunity to combine all the things that I love to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, first off, I'm from Miami, so this is really interesting. Oh, no way. (laughs) So, um, and I've never heard of clear, so... This is also really mm. interesting to me. Um, how did you end up like reaching out to like, I guess like the faculty member that you ended up doing research with at UM? How did you end up like getting in contact with them and like landing that opportunity as like a, you know, postgraduate, uh, well, post undergrad student? Yeah, it was actually pretty random and crazy, but I just, actually emailed everyone that I thought um, would be good to work with. So I just cold emailed 
as many professors um, as I could in the biology departments and at Rasmus at UMiami. Um, and I was going to move down to Miami regardless because my boyfriend lived there. Mm, um, okay. So I was like, it'll just, it'll fall into place. <laughs> <laughs> and it was quite risky to do that, but, uh, but it did, it fell into place. And um, I ended up working with a postdoc um, at Michelle in Michelle Afkami's lab, um, working on microbial mutualisms in soil. Uh, and she was the first person to get back to me. So that's just how that worked out. I didn't know her before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'd read one of her papers in a class or something. So the name was very familiar. Um, but yeah, it, it was kind of serendipitous and uh, really great. And I was connected to Catalyst Miami through one of my friends. Um, and he was like, oh, you should connect with my friend. She works at this great nonprofit. And she uh, also went to Brown. So we had that connection. Um, so, yeah, everything seemed to be working out and just fell into place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's crazy. Well, like to, to be a research assistant, right? Like when did you get paid to like work there for a bit? Was there no, no, no. I so that was also the thing. It was kind of easy for them to be like, okay, well, <laughs> you can you can do some research here and we'll teach you some things. Um, but in order to like be actually hired, there was a whole other process that they didn't have the money for. So they were applying for grants and stuff for me. But um, but at the time, I uh, just volunteered basically, and they were like, yeah, you know. Um, if you want to stay here for longer, we'll apply for more grants and stuff. Um, but since I had the other job at Catalyst Miami, and I also had another job doing social media for a nutrition company, um, I was making ends meet. It wasn't easy, but Miami is cheaper than like New York, so <laughs> so it didn't feel as difficult as it would like here. Mm-hmm. Well, I I always tell people this. I'm like, listen after what I've seen in LA, what I have seen in like San Francisco and New York in terms of like living expenses, please don't complain about Miami. Like appreciate Miami's <laughs> cost of living because yeah. it might seem expensive right now, but like other places are worse. Like your money will go a little, oh, yeah. it'll go a, little, a lot farther here. Okay. Wow. I miss Miami so much. <laughs> uh, wow. So Post undergrad, you know, during like the time that you took off from school, you were you were pretty busy. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, d- did you like well between like the work that you were doing um, at Catalyst Miami and also UM and uh, doing the social uh, media stuff with the nutrition company? Like, d- did you feel burnt out then, or was it just that like you know the work that you were doing was so interesting to you that you were like, you know what? full steam ahead it was like it didn't even matter like it it wasn't even a thing for you (laughs) yeah um it it was much harder than I thought it would be to juggle so many different you know like states of mind and and focuses um it was really energizing to be in all of those different spaces because I feel like I I was excited by each of the different things I was doing um and I was also applying to grad school at the time. So I felt like, you know, when I'd start out at UM doing some research for half the day and then, you know, 
uh, go talk at like a city of Miami board meeting about a sea level rise and then, you know, go on to Instagram, throw some likes for, <laughs> for the nutrition <laughs> company and then go back and um, start writing my like personal statements for, for grad school. It, it was really a weird experience of like balancing a lot of different types of energy mm-hmm. and trying to like stay focused at the same time because I had like this ultimate goal and all of these pieces kind of tied together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was trying to focus more on on how they came together and how each of these things would help me in creating my path um, and getting me to grad school and you know allowing me to do what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was very easy to feel burnt out because I was doing so much stuff. Um, but it seems like even when I, you know, want to do something chill and relax, I can never let myself do that. <laughs> it's like you're always looking for, uh, always looking for the next thing, always looking for, I guess, quote unquote, yes. chaos. That's what. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'll, yeah, no. My friends uh, have this running joke with me where they're like, wow, like no matter how much you know, you'll try to simplify your life, you will naturally find a way to make it complicated. I'm like, oh, yep. that's, that's, that's me, I guess. <laughs> um, well, like, I really relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, during that time period, right, like, as you're, you know, you're doing all of these things and stuff, and you're also prepping uh, to, to get into grad school and stuff like did you were you studying for the GRE during that time period too or had you already been taking the GRE uh prior to to doing all of this yeah um I had already taken the GRE thankfully so um when I was in consulting um a lot of the jobs that we had to do were like construction oversight mm-hmm. um so you know you're placed on a job site and um especially in some of the areas where we were working there were a lot of uh just like environmental hazards so you have to be on site in case anything happens so you can call the right people um and get the right people on scene um but a lot of that happened to be you know waiting for things to happen in my car (laughs) so I would be on site um you know doing checks every you know 20 minutes um but in between those 20 minutes I would uh, be reading my GRE book, taking practice tests. And um, so while I lived in Brooklyn, I took the GRE um, and got that out of the way. Okay, so you really made use of every minute that you had available. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now going through this, I'm like, I, I need to relax. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, uh, so, well, with you know, applying to grad school and stuff, like, was Columbia, like, your top choice? Yeah, it was. Um, I really wanted to be in New York. Um, A lot of my friends from college live here. My family lives here. Um, I really wanted to be in a place where it would also be fun to live um, Mm -hmm. and where I'd be able to support myself um, because the PhD stipends differ a lot depending on where where you are Mm -hmm. um so Columbia was my top choice um I also really wanted to go to U Chicago Mm. um so it was kind of neck and neck there and it just came down to the project that I wanted to work on um and the place that I wanted to be so um I felt that the project 
uh, at Colombia that I was working on, which is the one that I'm currently working on in the Gulf of Mexico, um, was super interesting and a lot more well-defined because um, I wouldn't really know what I was doing at uh, UChicago, so I'd have to come up with it um, in my first year, which is fine, and a lot of people do that, but I wanted to have like more of a specific goal going mm-hmm. into it. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Well, and how have things been like at Columbia so far? What would you say your experience has been so far? Yeah, it's been it's been really great. Um, I've been able to do all the research that I want to do, um, as well as like the diversity work that I want to do. Um, and it's it's been really nice to be able to <clears throat> intertwine those things um, in a way that I wasn't able to do as well, like when I was an undergrad. Um, partially because I didn't really have the tools to do it as well or the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but here it's been great to to balance those things as well as balancing my life um, and being close to family. Um, so yeah, I've, I've really liked it so far and I'm so excited to almost be done with classes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to just like get more into research and do my science. Mm-hmm. that's good that's what's up um <laughs> uh so we've we've touched a little bit on diversity uh a little bit and stuff so i kind of want to get into that a little a little bit more here um where, where like where are you or like where, where where are your family like where's your family from yeah uh so my family is puerto rican um okay. my mom is from san juan Uh, She came here when she was, I think, 16. Um, And my dad was born here, but his family is also from Puerto Rico. And um, actually, my grandma on my dad's side was born in the same um, area as my mom in Center Spain, Mm -hmm. in San Juan, which is now apparently, like, really cool and chic and up and coming. Um, But back in the day, it really wasn't. Um, And my... (laughs) My grandpa on my dad's side is from Yekes, which is a small island off the coast of Puerto Rico um, in the east. Mm, okay, okay. Shout out to Puerto Rico. I've been there once yeah. off of a cruise. It's a great place. <laughs> um, well, I guess like you, you also said that like, your your dad um, like studied computer science, right, when he was mm-hmm. uh, in school and stuff. So like, did did he serve somewhat as an inspiration for you to like get involved in the in the STEMs? as well like when you were coming yeah. into school yeah definitely both my parents um have always been pushing me to um to get involved in science and um and it was kind of apparent from a really young age that like I wanted to do something scientific and that's just like how my mind works and my brother too mm-hmm. I have a younger brother he's three years younger um and when we were younger we had this like my dad got us a microscope, like most kids, you know, get, you, you know, like fun toys. We got this microscope and we'd like take it outside, be sitting in the grass in the front yard, like just like looking at bugs and dirt <laughs> and worms, just anything that we could find. And it was, <laughs> it was so much fun. Um, so my parents always encouraged um, our like scientific thought and just the way that we go about things. Um because we have always been interested in that. I always loved the water. You know, my mom used to call me a little fish. Um, (laughs) So 
it seems like all of the different parts of my life were bringing me to to be you know a marine scientist my name means heavenly ocean and lion so <laughs> oh, that's good I mean like it's it's nice to be able to like you know nag like I guess like navigate through life and then like you know dabble in some of the things that you think that are you know interesting but then like ultimately like you know still be able to find that thing that's kind of like guiding you to getting you to where you want to be so that's that's really cool um speak I guess like so when you you know being in school right like being in school for for so long you know and you know this is including grade school and like you know undergrad and like now your experience at the at the PhD level um you mentioned that like you know you never really had a, a STEM professor or you know teacher who looked like you and stuff so was that something that was kind of like you know always in the back of your mind as you were going through or as you have been going through school yeah I mean I I wouldn't say that I was actively thinking about it as much um, mm-hmm. until I really looked back, but it was definitely apparent. It was like obvious in, in everything that we did, like in all of the science classes, like you don't learn a lot about people that aren't, or scientists that aren't like white men. Mm-hmm. Um, that's most of the people that like you're told are like the innovators, the scientists, like the people that are making these changes um so it it kind of becomes this like this thing where you just associate you know um these white men to science and like that's just what it is Mm -hmm. um and then I don't think that it really came to the forefront in my head until I realized the extent of it until I realized like I've been in school for how long now and I haven't heard of like anyone brown in so long mm-hmm. um and there was just like a moment of realization I was like oh my gosh if I wanted to do something like this who would I look up to who exists in this field and like you know I'm I'm 26 so the internet was a thing when I was growing up but I didn't really know how to use it you know I'd, we had one family computer and I'd be like science you know on google i'm trying to figure it out um but you know it's like how do i even find that information how do i find people that look like me doing the things that i want to do um because in other fields that happens my mom um is a social worker and you know lots of social workers are women women of color and that's amazing that you have so many role models and people that you work with that look like you Mm -hmm that have similar experiences and backgrounds. And I was like, huh, well, isn't it odd that that doesn't happen in science? Mm -hmm. Why is that? You know, it's not like people, only certain people are interested in science. It's not like only certain people like want to do science. Um, So I think that realization, when I finally came to it, when I was like aware of the extent of it, um, really opened my eyes to the issue and to the fact that like if you just tell people about this if you tell people that that there is a represent representation problem and offer some ideas how to change it you know you can start making a difference mm-hmm. now I, I don't know if you can like relate to this uh, but like for me in my own experience like when I started like undergrad and stuff like 
off bat, like academia is already a bubble. It's a natural bubble in itself, right? But then like when you get involved, you know, in the STEMs, specifically the sciences and stuff, I can't really speak for like, you know, the other like areas in the STEMs, but Mm -hmm. like I would say this in the sciences, because it's so hard and like there's so much that goes into it, you know, that is naturally a a bubble in itself. So you become very, I guess, like hyper focused on, you know, being successful at, you know, Mm -hmm. this thing that you're doing. And it's like all of your time is going to that, right? Whether it's you taking your your, your classes, um, you trying to figure out what research opportunities, you know, that you can get involved in to, you know, make yourself, you know, more marketable and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Um, It's like, that takes up a lot of your time. And like, you know, the you being around, like, you know, you're going to be around like, you know, certain individuals and stuff. So it's kind of like, you don't really have the opportunity to like, look up and like, you know, see things for, for what, you know, there really are and stuff. For me, I like that. That's kind of how like my undergrad experience had been going up until I think like I had, um, I took a GE course, um, kind of on the, uh, that was based on the African diaspora. Mm. And, uh, like it really, it was an interesting class because, like when you know you're learning all of these things, and uh, like for me, like I'm also of Caribbean descent, so my my family's from Haiti, mm-hmm. and um, you know you're you know to to sit you know to sit there to have a semester in which you know you're sitting there and you're learning all these things and stuff. It was a nice like moment to kind of just like take a step back and like work on something that wasn't science and mm-hmm. like to see you know what you know to see how important that thing was because when you're kind of just like you know just in science you know just doing everything that comes with that you kind of lose sight of other things other things that's important you kind of like it's it's as if you know it becomes it's as if it becomes like okay science is like the only important thing and then like everything else is kind of like you know just noise in the background but then like when you do have that moment and you can like you know you know look up and then like see what's going on around you but then also like you know take a look back at you know your journey and stuff you're like wait a minute there's a lot more going on here and like you know there's more to this thing that I'm doing you know like there's more to this like you know I guess like doing research and stuff so I guess like for me like once I like graduated from like undergrad like, I think I personally struggled with, like, you know, continuing, like, you know, how to, like, figuring out how do I continue going forward because, like, I had become aware of those things and I'm like, okay, well, these are issues for me. I don't even know who to talk to regarding these things. Yeah. Like, how do I, like, still navigate in this space and, like, you know, resolve this, like, I guess somewhat of an internal conflict or, yeah, I, I would say it's an internal conflict for me. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you resolve this? Because it's like, well, one, you don't really, you don't know who's around you and stuff. But like you mentioned, the internet is a thing. So yeah, <laughs> I feel like you have done a really good job of like leveraging the internet <laughs> to, to, you know, to, to help you, you know, get over that. So, yeah, um, I think, I think I definitely had that internal struggle as well. Um, and it's really tough, especially when you're in college and trying to figure yourself out trying to figure out what you want, what you like, what you need, super fundamental questions. Um, and I think the, the main way that I made it make sense 
to me was was to you know use my logical research you know focused mind um to connect all of the things that I was confused about and that I didn't understand as much um because science you know although you can focus on it in a vacuum it doesn't exist in a vacuum mm-hmm. um science affects people it affects communities and science is like you know the environment uh you know at least geoscience is <laughs> the environment the communities um and all of these things are just inextricable um and this is the that like realization of the the like inherent connection between all of the things all the people on earth um made it make a lot more sense mm-hmm. um so I, I did some work in sociology, um, looking at green space um, and how green space changes over time and relationships to and the relationships to the communities that are growing around them in Providence. Um, and it was really interesting to see how green space is used, how it comes about and how it's treated in different areas, depending on like um, income levels and um, demographics and all these things that are inherently linked and, and how you can use the environment and how you can um, relate to the environment based on like who you are and, and like the resources that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, so linking all of these like community level issues with the environmental issues with the science was super important for me in understanding how these things can change and how they can work together to create like larger change and to change the way that we look at science. Because a lot of times I feel like science is looked at as its own thing that's like separate from everything else. Um, but, you know, in science, one of the main things that, that we learn is that everything is connected. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that is true. That is true. Wow. I guess I never really thought about it that way. Like, you know, you do learn that, like, everything is connected in science, but you don't really, it doesn't click with, like, you know, the other things. At least, like, it takes yeah. some effort for you to realize, like, oh, wait, this involves other things, too. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I feel like, you know, also the way that that's taught, the way that you're taught that everything is connected is by, like, you know, learning about atoms and learning about microbes and learning about, like, little things that... I mean, inherently makes sense that are all connected, but things that you don't often see with your naked eye that you don't think about, you know, on a day-to-day basis. Um, So just bringing that knowledge and that, um, you know, intuition to everyday life is, I think, crucial. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think I would have to agree to agree with that. Now, I know that you're uh, serving as um, the, like, the diversity co-chair at, over at Lamont. Uh, yeah. So how has that experience uh, been like? And, you know, what are some of the things that you're hoping to do um, being, you know, in that role? Yeah. Um, so um, the Lamont... Uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion task force was created this past summer. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a new director at Lamont, Mo Ramo, um, who is wonderful. And um, in response to the racial unrest, um, as well as the pandemic and lots of things that were happening, 
um, I think there was just like widespread recognition that, you know, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion need to be taken into account by institutions, um, especially by scientists, um, because it's not something that's often prioritized mm-hmm. um, or thought as something that can change. Um, in the geosciences, we are the least diverse STEM field, and we have been the least diverse STEM field for the last 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think less than 5% of the geoscience PhD graduates are people of color, which just points to, you know, intrinsic problems um, within our departments, within our institutions that aren't valuing diversity, that aren't being inclusive. Um, So I was really excited about this opportunity to change the framework of how we think about diversity and inclusion and equity and Mm -hmm. anti-racism in our science and in the geosciences as a whole. Um, I think a lot of these issues, because they're so big and nebulous, um, are kind of seen as like, you know, uh, unanswerable questions or, you know, like huge problems that we're all working towards, but uh, no one really knows what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think because there is such like a disconnect between Um, you know, how we're taught about science and how we're taught about like justice and societal issues and race and how we can talk about those things. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there's just also a disconnect between how we decide to move forward with them. Um, So I was really excited to get the chance to revamp how we do things and tell our institution what we're doing wrong and what can be done better and how to change things. Um, Because, you know, you have to have initiatives in place to, to connect science and communities and talk about these hard topics like race and, um, and how that intersects with science, because it does. If you have to leave part of yourself outside of what you're doing, how how is that being inclusive? How is that supporting everyone? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's been a really great opportunity, and um, we are in the midst of writing our report, um, in which we'll outline recommendations for our institution mm-hmm. to um, to change the way that we do things, to make sure that we're supporting everyone at all levels throughout our campus, um, and creating frameworks for future change um, because we have to change the way that we're currently doing things Mm -hmm. um, as well as making sure that we're setting ourselves up for, uh, you know, future directions that will make sense and be more inclusive and allow for as many people as possible to be involved in the geosciences. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I would love to get a copy of this report <laughs> once it's yeah uh, for sure <laughs> uh, once it's ready and stuff because I mean you know Columbia isn't you know the only institution that you know has you know these types of problems and stuff you do yeah. like you you do have to like create uh, the time and the space within what you're doing to 
have, you know, these conversations, these like, you know, difficult conversations to have. Um, I know that at my job there has, you know, there was an effort um, over the summer uh, in the midst of all of the civil unrest to kind of just like take a step back and, you know, just be able to have these conversations and stuff within, mm-hmm. you know, that space of like, you know, work. It's like, oh, okay, you know what? Here at, you know, at this institution, isn't it's not just about, you know, the work that we're doing. We also recognize the fact that, like, the people who work here, they are human and that, you know, mm-hmm. they they uh, they get impacted, you know, by uh, a bunch of, like, different things and stuff. And we have to figure out how we can leverage, right, our platforms or, like, you know, whatever the things, you know, whatever the thing is that, you know, that we're doing now, we have to figure out how to leverage those things to be able to figure out how to you know tackle um you know those problems and stuff uh when we do see what's going on because it's not just a matter of um you know i guess like politicians uh you know getting together and like you know creating a whole bunch of laws you know to try to like you know quote unquote straighten these things out it's in everything Mm -hmm. that we do from like being at universities um being at you know different places of work it's in everything that we do, you know, being in like different social circles as well. It's kind of like yeah. figuring out, it's kind of like essentially needing to have like, you know, that presence, that presence of mind, knowing that mm-hmm. like, okay, hey, this is this thing. And in every situation that I'm in, you know, recognize that you do have the opportunity to, you know, address this thing if, you know, if you see something yeah. that is wrong or not even, you know, something that is wrong, but like, you know, we should be comfortable in just having these conversations, not just when something yeah. is wrong, you know? Yeah, definitely. It's, um, it's really tough that a lot of people never think about these issues, never, you know, crosses their mind organically. Um, and that's something that like was really hard for me in the beginning. I was like to wrap my head around. I was like, what do you mean you never think about this? Mm-hmm. Like every time I, you know, I'm interacting with someone, I'm, I have to think about it. Exactly. Um, so it's, it's really tough to, to think about uh, the implications of that, you know, of what it means to talk to scientists about changing an institution that they thought was fine the way it was. Mm-hmm. Um and to talk about like putting time and money and effort into, you know, prioritizing different things that have been then have been prioritized over the last 40 years and talking about how, you know, um, prioritizing gender in the past has been such a great way to change um, how science looks. And that's amazing. And, and we should never, you know, say, uh, we should never talk about, you know, the fact that that didn't work because it did. But we should also talk about the fact that, like, the intersectionality of these issues has not been addressed ever. Mm-hmm. No one talks about the fact that, yes, lots of women professors now exist, but not a lot of them are women of color. Mm-hmm. And why? why is that? Like, what are the underlying structural issues that are allowing for us to, you know, um, increase our gender parity in, in academia, but is not allowing us to do the same for um, marginalized populations, for underrepresented groups. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reason for that. And if we're not investigating it, and if we're not like sounding the alarm, 
nothing is going to change. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's basically the reason that I've been like so fired up and doing all of the, the different um, DEI things that I've been doing, um, mm-hmm. as well as my research, because I can't separate the two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, you, you really cannot, right? Especially you can't. It's like you can't be aware and like, you know, not do something. So, again, it's like making use of that platform that you have. So, yes, so exactly. Yeah. So shout out to and you for doing that. And making change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of people don't realize their power. Like everyone exists in some kind of community mm-hmm. in some kind of like, you know, uh, forum where they can make a change. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with you a hundred percent. Well, Kailani, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. It's been really fun getting, you know, getting to chat with you. And to be honest with you, like I would love to have a conversation with you again, sometime in the future just to hear about you know more of the the stuff that you end up getting into because it seems as if you're one of those individuals who i don't know who who likes tackling (laughs) you know a lot of cool things so i'm wishing you you know luck with like you know your your research and stuff but also with the work that you're doing on the diversity front as well thank you so much this has been a really great opportunity and i've loved talking to you that's it for us this week We hope that you guys enjoyed the episode. Please be sure to follow us on our social media pages for any of our upcoming updates. Until next time.